When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to our preview of what will be probably one of the most memorable games of the year. Uh, Not just because if the Bills were to not advance past this one, but because of who who it's against, the history behind the matchup. And if the Bills should move on to the heights that they think that they're capable of, it will be that game that everyone kind of looks back to and says, okay, they finally got past the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome into the Buffalo Beat, everyone. My name is Joe Biscalia, and we are set for a very fun weekend uh, of what should be one of the best games on the NFL calendar all year, the best game of the weekend by far. Two, the two teams in my mind that uh, are playing better than anyone else right now, and the unfortunate part is that they have to go up against each other. You've got Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. You've got the Bills defense going up against the Mahomes offense, the uh, revamped Chiefs defense going up against the Bills offense. It's just so... Um, gripping as to how even that these two teams are. But we'll get into some of the the areas where each team has an advantage here. And certainly that leads into a lot of the discussion as to who will win. So we'll get into the prediction, obviously, later in the show, as we have been all year. We're also going to talk to, with my buddy and one of my absolute favorite guests of the season, he's our Chiefs writer at The Athletic. His name's Nate Taylor. He absolutely killed it the last time he was on. Basically, everything he said came true uh, when when we last chatted with him, and he was uh, very much giving the warning signs like, hey, this Chiefs team isn't playing nearly as well as they were um, back uh, back in the uh, the playoffs and and all throughout the 2020 season, and lo and behold, the Bills went in there and absolutely stomped them. So that so we're going to talk with Nate a little bit later on and see where the the Chiefs' season has kind of gone. Really lengthy conversation, um, and I I think you guys are really going to enjoy learning about the Chiefs and and where some of this these matchup disparities could. Could hold, but I did want to go into one of the more compelling aspects to this game, which is that I believe this team, although it remains the Bills taking on the Chiefs as it was in week five, 
and Josh Allen going up against Patrick Mahomes uh, in, in the quarterback matchup, even though they're not going to be on the field at the same time. I look at this matchup as a completely different one, not just from the Chiefs perspective, not just from the Bills perspective, but from both, because both have evolved so beautifully throughout the year in in which we have seen them become just these two juggernauts late in the season. The Chiefs just went on an absolute heater uh, throughout the second second half of the year. They lost uh, in the second to last week of the season to the Bengals, but it required a huge comeback victory from the Bengals just to do it. The Bills, they went through their mid-season lull as opposed to the Chiefs having their early season lull, turned it around, and have now won their last six games. Uh, I'm sorry, now have won their last five games, excuse me, uh, and almost made it a six-game win streak when they played Tampa Bay in an in a comeback effort of their own. So from a Chiefs perspective, you look at their defense. And, you know, I've heard some out there say like, oh, this Chiefs defense still isn't good, even though they've improved. I would beg to differ because when you look at how much has changed from that week five game, all you have to do is look at the starting lineup for one and then the nuances of the situation back then as well. Uh, you know, this is this is a Chiefs squad that in that game, the big one is obviously they were, were without defensive tackle Chris Jones, and we've seen the impact that he's had against the Bills in, in previous matchups. They had not yet traded for Melvin Ingram, who has become probably their most important pass rusher this season as he rushes from the defensive left side. On top of those two players being in the lineup for the Chiefs this time around, as opposed to them being in the lineup last time, from a pass rushing perspective, while yes, the Chiefs had Frank Clark available for them, and I think he played a little over 80% of snaps in that game, that was his first game back from a pretty lengthy injury throughout the summer and the early season, and you have to think that he wasn't really all the way back to, to what he can be as a pass rusher, even though he's not like just an absolute uh, game changer, still better than than what, uh, what he was the last time these two teams played. So that's just on the defensive line. Then you look at linebacker, where it was the first time that uh, their... One of their top linebackers, Willie Gay, was available to them as he just came off came off injured reserve. And he only played, I think, a little over 40% of snaps in that game. And they had to use Anthony Hitchens a lot in that game, which they don't haven't typically done throughout the, the second half of the season. Then you go to the secondary, where Rashad Fenton was just coming back from his concussion. You have uh, Traverius Ward, who was inactive for the game. And so the the Chiefs had to depend on Fenton on basically a day or two of being cleared. And Legarius Sneed, Mike Hughes, like there there was some areas for the Bills to exploit. And then on top of that, Daniel Sorensen was still their starting safety that that used 
uh, that was out there for 100% of their defensive snaps. That is no longer the case either. Because they replaced him with Juan Thornhill, who played a big role in the AFC Championship game last year. So whether or not you count Fenton, that makes up for almost or over half of the Chiefs' defensive starting lineup. And every single one of those have been legitimate upgrades. Uh, Frank Clark not coming off an injury, a a month-long injury. Uh, Then, obviously, Jones in the lineup, Ingram in the lineup, Thornhill in the lineup for Sorensen, Ward in the lineup for Mike Hughes. You have all of these different elements that make you go, okay, this Chiefs team, they're legitimately different. So to expect that the Bills are going to have as easy of a time as they did the last time around, I think is, you know, would I think it would be expecting too much. Now, we do have to see whether or not Rashad Fenton can play in this game. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm recording this on Friday afternoon before the Chiefs injury report comes out. So we'll see what his availability for the weekend is. But if he is available, then the Chiefs are at full capacity on defense. If he's not, then that probably means Mike Hughes is back in the lineup and uh, the Bills kind of catch a break there. So the Chiefs are legitimately different in how they're going to defend the Bills. But much in the same, the Bills are legitimately different on offense. So I look at how they have evolved over the last half of the season as, you know, we've seen the defense play really well throughout the season, but that has been the single biggest reason for me as to why I think the Bills have a legitimate shot at at winning this whole thing this year. The way it, everything just seems to be falling into place for them right now. Their health is a huge part of it. They haven't sustained a long-term injury that has really impacted their starting lineup since Tredavious White went down with with a uh, with a torn ACL. Now, you know, Ike Butker went down with a season-ending injury against New England, but that injury was a slight catalyst for the Bills getting to this starting five that they have that have been so so freaking good throughout the throughout the last four weeks. Really, they haven't allowed a sack. You know, their, their run blocking has been much better than it has been. Devin Singletary looks great. Uh, and certainly a bit of that has to do with what uh, what the front five have been able to do. So the Bills are healthy in that capacity. And that means their wide receivers are healthy too. And it took until the first week of the playoffs for them to have all five of their guys healthy and, and ready to go especially with some past success for some of the younger guys. Like when they started the season, all five of those guys were healthy. Gabriel Davis did not establish himself as a legitimate um, large amount of snaps threat for the Bills. Isaiah McKenzie didn't establish himself as someone that they needed to have on the field, even cutting into Cole Beasley snaps. So now they have Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, Davis, and McKenzie, all five guys 
And the way that they used them last week was so interesting to me because Brian Dable was just mixing and matching. And we talked about this a lot on, on the post-game show. But the way that he was mixing and matching them, constantly keeping the defense on their heels. like And all five of those guys, by the way, can play each position. So for a cornerback, not only do you have to know the tendencies of the guy you're most likely to face, like in a given week, you're usually thinking, okay, I need to know the exact tendencies of, of the top two guys. But with the Bills, each of their cornerbacks needs to know the tendencies of and study up on five different receivers because there is a chance that they could see any one of them at any given time. Maybe not Beasley on the outside, but still, there's a lot there. And then after that, with the way that Dable mixes and matches all five of these guys throughout the game, the way that he did against the Patriots, it was just, it was fascinating to me. No Bills receiver had over 70% of snaps. Um, every Bills receiver had at least 30% of snaps. Stefan Diggs had only, I think, like 61 or 62% of snaps. And he's the best guy on the roster. So with how they utilize them and, and change them in and out frantically, Frantically, I should say. Frantically? What the heck is frantically? Um, it just makes it that much more difficult for the opposing defense and the opposing secondary. And with how often the Chiefs play man coverage against uh, against prolific passing offenses, which you can read more about uh, over at my 22 thoughts uh, on the matchup over at The Athletic, uh, and by the way, if you if you do, head to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat and get yourself a uh, discount on your yearly subscription. You can read that in full there. I, I've got stats to go along with how many times they um they how many times uh, the the Chiefs were in cover zero over those five matchups. How many times they blitzed out of that? Um, you know all of their stats when they were in cover one. So there's a lot to chew on there. So I, I would uh, encourage you to go check that out. But the the basis of it is when the Chiefs have been up against a, a really good passing offense, they have played a lot of man coverage and tried to get their, their pass rushing going with external pressure other than just the front four. And the Bills, with the amount of receivers that they have, just puts more pressure on those cornerbacks to to live up to it and to, you know, defend each player the way that they need to be defended. It sets up to an entirely different matchup, even though the Chiefs played these Bills early on in the season. So that's, and those two big changes that I talked about are the two, are two units that are opposing one another which is why this is going to be so much fun and why it feels so different than the last time. Now, obviously, the Bills' defense is going to have to play a big role against the uh, the Chiefs' offense, and the Chiefs' offense has, has definitely taken steps to not allow their doldrums from the early season to go into the... Um, go into... 
the rest of their year and they really rescued their season based on their defense and how they were able to adapt offensively. So we've seen Mahomes kind of utilize other targets other than Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. You would tend to think that the way that teams have kind of figured that out about the Chiefs, that those huge games that we saw in the AFC Championship game from both Kelsey and Hill probably aren't going to be duplicated this time around against the Bills. The Bills did a great job of it last time when they didn't have Matt Milano um, and they played sound defensively. They didn't uh, they didn't blitz a single time. They were in zone a vast majority of time. They focused on their front four rushers to get pressure. And then on the back end, they they allowed or they they really used their middle defenders like Tremaine Edmonds to go and seek the um, seek the crossing receivers when Mahomes is trying to improvise, which is one of his go-to moves where, you know, he'll move out of the pocket. He gets zone defenders to move with him. And then all of a sudden, right over the top of where the zone defender used to be there, there lies a, a receiver um, crossing the, the hash marks into that territory and having a bunch of yards after catch. Like that's, that's been a staple of the chiefs forever. And the bills did a great job of, of limiting that the last time that they played them. So yeah, that's, that's equally as big, but where this game is going to be decided is how the Chiefs wind up uh, defending the Bills, and if the Bills have even more of a punch than they did than they had last time uh, against this revamped Chiefs defense. And quite honestly, I think the Bills do have um, a lot going for them offensively, a lot more than they did even back then. So it's just a it's just a fascinating matchup, and. I don't want to go too much further into um, into the throws of the matchup until we get to the prediction side because we have such a fun and pretty long convo with, with Nate Taylor. So I wanted to get to that, but this game should live up to all of the hype, I think. And that, that to me is one of the, the fun parts about this job being able to go to these games and and seeing them unfold live in front of my face, what it means to the franchise, what it means potentially to the Chiefs franchise to make four straight AFC championship games, all of it lines up. So this one is going to be a fun one, but we'll get more into my prediction, the reasons why I think the Bills have an advantage in a certain area, maybe why they have a disadvantage in certain areas, and then Obviously, we'll uh, have some closing thoughts on the game. But before we do any of that, first is a conversation with Nate Taylor of The Athletic, and we will get to that right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, well, we'll get to the game prediction in just a moment. But uh, as I promised before, the quick little break, um, wanted to get to one of my absolute favorites at The Athletic. He does an incredible job at uh, at covering the team he covers. Uh, his name is Nate Taylor. He covers the Chiefs so incredibly well. The last time he was on the show, the, everything he said basically came true as far as a, a Chiefs and Bills perspective. And uh, and yeah, he's kind of a Nostradamus in that way. So Nate, <laughs> I hate to build you up that way, but you did it. You you were like you you brought up Daniel Sorensen and it's like, yep, yep, yep he's he's basically washed. Uh, you brought up how this is not the same Chiefs team and the Bills just absolutely went in there and blew their doors off. So Good on you, man. You 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 crushed that last time we we spoke. No, no, it's it's uh it's it's great to be back, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I hope Bill fans are uh, are are excited. I guess to hear my voice because <laughs> look, I I truly think this is the the rivalry for the foreseeable future. Um, I am so excited about this game because you know in the history of the NFL. These moments, these moments happen rarely, but doesn't it kind of feel like this is the Super Bowl in the divisional round for both teams? Like That's crazy. I, you know, last time I think I was on, I said like, "Hey, I, I anticipated the Bills competing well in early October, perhaps winning, uh, which of, which of course occurred." And I was like, "Well, that'll set up, you know, an AFC Championship rematch for I'll just see you guys in Buffalo." <laughs> right. Um, and then. Tennessee, you know, to their credit, um, won an additional game. Um, And, yes, the Chiefs and the Bills have kind of had, you know, similar, you know, sputtering at times. But um, I am, like, I'm so excited about this game because I feel like it's kind of been on the calendar since the AFC Championship. Like, I just kind of knew and anticipated these two teams will probably see one another in the, in the, you know, the following playoffs and here we are. And, um, somebody's like, somebody's season's going to end before the AFC championship game. And I just think that's wild. No matter whose season ends on Sunday night. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and to your point about, uh, you know, maybe this matchup happening again, I remember driving home from Arrowhead. I don't remember what time it was and uh, driving to my hotel and going, well, I'm not going to see Kansas City again until maybe next year. <laughs> and lo and behold, I was oh, I, I was right. It was just the calendar year that changed because yes. of 2022. But yeah, the like you said, the the similar sputtering is the perfect way to put it because the Chiefs did it early, the Bills did it right in the middle of the season, and now they are both on you know outside of that Bengals game, which we'll get into. Uh, they both have been on an absolute heater over the the last month, month and a half of the season. So, Nate, I wanted to start with you with asking where it all changed for the Chiefs. And I'm sure you have written a ton about it. And for our listeners, I, I don't know that they've necessarily gone uh, 
daily reading on the Chiefs. So where did this all kind of shift for them and how did they, how are they able to reshape what they are and, and win with this new formula that they have? No, it's a great question. And I'll, I'll take it in a, in a few uh, different parts, but um, everything of course starts with the quarterback, similar to obviously Josh Allen. Um, But look, Patrick Mahomes, as Andrew Reid said, and I believe like around late November, um, acknowledged after a game that, you know, guys, um, we have our analytics department and they look at trends and historical context of data. And, you know, um, this was the longest time. And this is Andy Reid saying this. He estimated based on their analytics department that this was the longest time a starting quarterback had gone without having an actual slump in his career. Um, And of course the bills I felt were part of the slump because they executed the two high coverage shell. um, Probably the best out of anyone I've seen all year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Patrick Mahomes had a slump and like, that was a legitimate headline (laughs) because like, you know, since I've been covering him, uh, since 2018, since obviously he became a starter, um, he had just been a remarkable superstar quarterback. The moment he came out of the slump was when Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, was on the COVID list because uh, we learned he was unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. Jordan Love starts. The Chiefs win the game, but it's not super impressive. Um, But Patrick Mahomes has a third down scramble play extending completion that sort of unlocked him again. And pretty much from that moment on, he's turned the ball over less. Uh, He started to learn how to sort of dissect zone coverages at a quicker, faster rate. He's spreading the ball around a little bit more, um, where I think in the first matchup between Chiefs and Bills, he was heavily relying on Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, Mm -hmm. and everybody else was kind of, I won't say an afterthought, but just the the trust in the chemistry and the timing wasn't necessarily there, uh, which they spent the second half of the season sort of building that up. On defense, and this is where it gets really fascinating, Joe, um, Chris Jones did not play against the Buffalo Bills in the first matchup. Frank Clark, that was his second game back, I believe, from a hamstring injury Mm -hmm. um, that has sort of been nagging him all the way since training camp. Uh, the team made a trade for Melvin Ingram, which seems to be arguably the biggest in-season trade right now. It's either Melvin Ingram or Odell Beckham Jr. for the Rams, based on your preference. Um, And all of a sudden, their pass rush just came together. And so now Daniel Sorensen isn't in coverage as much or in coverage as long because the pass rush is getting home with the four-man rush of Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, and Melvin Ingram. And I wrote about this earlier, but Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, he was blitzing at a high rate compared to other teams in the league because it was the only thing they were good at. Right. It's like, right. hey, if we're going to be gashed, like let's just like let's just speed this up. Why why do we need to <laughs> why do we need to like we know we're bad, you know we're bad. See if we get a sack or a turnover, or we or we fall into some fortunate <laughs> play. Uh, and they were getting they were getting killed on it. I mean, um, and so now he went from a you know Spagnuolo went from a place of man, 
I'm having to blitz more than I feel comfortable with based on the personnel I have to all of a sudden being like, hey, my pass rush is getting home a little bit more. And now I can blitz kind of from a position of luxury or a position of strength where it's like, well, we already have you in third and long. Now we can sort of dictate the terms of this third down play. Um, And lastly, Joe, you can't win football games if you if you just turn the football over. Right. You just it's physically impossible. Even as talented as the Chiefs are, they led the league in turnovers halfway through the season. And it was just it was wild. It was either like, hey, the Chiefs score a touchdown, the Chiefs score a field goal, or the Chiefs turn the ball over. Those were the only outcomes of just about any drive they have. Uh the Chiefs have the fewest three and outs in the NFL this season. The Chiefs convert on third down better than anybody in the league, over 50%. But they just turned the ball over at, like, some of the most inopportune times. Um, And, of course, when the Bills came to Arrowhead, uh, they exploited them uh, severely with four takeaways. So, in the second half of the year, well, that that ratio flipped. The Chiefs stopped turning the football. Guys stopped fumbling. Uh, Patrick Mahomes stopped having tip passes be intercepted or passes just go right through his receiver's hands. Right. Um, and the defense, as it's gotten better and healthier, um, and as they've, as I mentioned earlier, forced the issue, uh, they're getting turnovers at a much higher rate than before. Um, and so they're winning the turnover battle. Their quarterback has sort of gotten back to his old ways, or he's slightly um, changed his play style, but has kept the ability to make highlight plays. And then their defense isn't the worst in the league in, anymore, and that and that is really helpful. Yeah, uh, the the defense. I think there's a pretty large misconception about them because what they were earlier in the year, um, you know, based on what the Bills saw early in the year, it's it's kind of night and day from from what it was then to what it was now. I mean, you, you brought up Ingram and and Jones. Obviously, those two guys were not on the field against the Bills the last time around, but like they have been complete game changers for or Ingram at least has been a complete game changer for them it would seem um throughout the entire second half of the season since since they got him so it it just it just feels like a much more competitive Chiefs defense and one that and and it you know their cornerbacks have gotten healthier Thornhill being in the lineup I'm sure really helps them too so yes um, it, it just it just seems like this is Closer to a top 10 unit than, you know, bottom five unit that, that maybe they were early in the season. It's it's wild because um, this sort of explains, you know, how long the season is. Um, because going from 16 games to 17 games, like, no one was really sure how this was all going to, how this was all going to play out from a talent level or from, you know, an attrition standpoint. But it's weird to say that like the Chiefs defense got healthier as the season progressed, which is yeah, that is weird, <laughs> which is not the case, and like shouldn't be the case for a seventeen game season, you know, when you just look at it um, initially. But but yeah, like they've they've gotten better, um, they've gotten healthier, they've used better players in better positions, and so one of the more fascinating things is um, Dawson Knox is not Travis Kelsey. But he is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I I'm fascinated as to know. I mean, if I was Steve Spagnuolo, I wouldn't put uh I wouldn't I would hope to not have matchups between him and, and Daniel Sorensen. But it will be interesting to see like 
how they try to counteract him in this rematch because at least they have more options available to them now. With Juan Thornhill, you could put Tyron Matthew on him, mm-hmm. uh, which is not what they did in the first matchup. Um, you know, there's there's ways of going about this, um, but how much do you dedicate to just the amount of talent surrounding Josh Allen, but also not losing track of him? And so I think this is a great matchup for both teams because I think the Chiefs have a better pass rush than the Patriots, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll get home. Mm-hmm. But they but they should pressure Josh Allen more than they did in the, in the first matchup, which was virtually nil. I think the one play that I think some Chiefs fans were salty about, but uh, it happens, is I think you know coming out of that hour long lightning delay of a halftime, I think Frank Clark got home one time <laughs> that led to a interception, but he was called for roughing the passer, and it's just like hey, that's. That's how it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's the one play I remember, Joe, where it's like, oh, wow, somebody somebody touched this man behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that uh, I, I do. I actually forgot about the uh, the delay until you just said it. So hopefully that doesn't happen this time around. It was, uh, when, when you mentioned like leaving Arrowhead, I was like, oh, I remember because we were all sitting there like, well, the game's already over, guys. And so like, do we need to be here? <laughs> like, like do we really do we can we just call it like and like you know uh there were some jokes in the press in the press box about like remember in like in like the old preseason days it'd be like you guys get enough reps we got enough reps yeah we're good ah, let's just call it <laughs> you guys oh, healthy we're healthy let's just pack it up that's that is hilarious to me um that uh it it's funny you you bring up the the pass rush part of it because the Bills, you know, they have kind of struggled with their offensive line the the entire year. But since uh, one of their starting guards, Ike Butker, went down with a season-ending injury against the Patriots in Foxborough, they've they've gone they they got Ryan Bates in the lineup. They brought Deion Dawkins, who just came back from the COVID list like a day yep. before, and they haven't allowed a sack since. So this is a unit that is playing really well. Um, and everyone is right in their right position. So that matchup to me is just fascinating because the Chiefs have definitely improved. The Bills have definitely improved. And then if the Chiefs don't get home, then, you know, I would argue the the Bills have, and not just because I cover them, but looking at the entire league, the Bills have an embarrassment of riches uh, at receiver and tight end. I mean, they, they've got Emmanuel Sanders basically in a rotational role right now. It's um, it's wild. You know, you know who terrifies me, by the way, if I'm a Chiefs fan? Who? Isaiah McKenzie. Well, yeah, it all depends if you play man or zone with him. Because if you play if, man if you play man, he he's gonna crush you. The the the, uh, the, 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 the Chiefs play a lot of press man coverage. Well there you go. <laughs> there there you have it. the other guy that like Oh man, go ahead. Uh, the other guy that uh, that should be on the Chiefs' radar is Gabriel Davis because this is mm-hmm. a dude who can take over a game. Um, and it, you know, if if they go to a lot of man, his his bread and butter is a deep ball. And if there's there's attention to Stefan Diggs over on the other side, that's uh, that's a recipe for disaster with how Josh Allen's slinging it right now. Yeah, uh, I you know one of the more surprising things about the AFC championship game last year was there were, th- there are three cornerbacks on the chiefs and they are all still on the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shervarius war, luxurious sheet, luxurious need, excuse me, and Rashad Fitton. 
Um, the hope is that all three will play on Sunday. Rashad Fenton is dealing with a, a back injury that sort of flared up on him in pregame last week, uh, and he did not play against the Steelers. But in the in the AFC Championship game last year, all three of those guys had their best, in my opinion, had their best game, depending upon the that point in the season, mm-hmm. the importance of it, the skill set on the other side, and obviously the quarterback there. Like that was the best game that they had covered collectively together, where it wasn't just like, oh, like Traverius is really good today, and you know we'll see if like you know the other team like sort of makes an adjustment. It, all three of them. Did a really good job on Stefan Diggs. They did a really good job on Cole Beasley. And it was surprising to me um, that that is what actually helped the Chiefs get some level of pressure on Josh Allen as that game sort of progressed. Um, This year, I think they have too many wide receivers and the Chiefs don't have enough DBs. Right. Right. It's... um, it's so interesting that you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders because the thing that I've been telling Chiefs fans is um, if, you're, if your season ends before the Super Bowl, it, it's supposed to end because of this team. Mm-hmm. Like this team has been engineering, cultivating, sculpting, building its roster to come after you um, in, a, in ways that I don't think anybody else in the AFC can really compete. Um you know, when they when the Bills signed Emmanuel Sanders, I was like, that makes so much sense because in the one game where Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs really didn't play well, and I know they were dealing with with, with obviously some wear and tear, mm-hmm. uh, was the AFC Championship game. And, like, if you just add another weapon and you give Josh Allen more time, as you mentioned with the offensive line, uh, this all seems logical. And then, of course – because it's you know because the Bills didn't get a ton of pressure on Mahomes uh, in the AFC Championship game last year. Obviously, they go out and they get Greg Russo. Right. And here's Basham. And Jerry Hughes is still good. Um, and so it's like, hmm, what was the one thing we couldn't do to really affect Mahomes? Which was evident in the Super Bowl. Uh, you have to get home with four. And so I felt like the Bills made all the necessary moves when you also know that the quarterbacks is just going to continue to get better because that's that's the way it's supposed to work for, for a superstar quarterback. Absolutely. And the the one guy to, to keep an eye on um, for, for the Chiefs is Ed Oliver, who's playing insane right now. He's, uh, he's definitely taken a step forward at that interior position. It's their money position along their defensive line. They've He's really gone forward with that. I would be remiss if we didn't talk more about Patrick Mahomes and that offense just a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> because... Uh, what was fascinating, you know, I, I I go back and I watch film on the upcoming opponents uh, to prepare, and I started watching the Steelers game, and I'm like, this is a waste of my time. I'm not learning anything from, from this. <laughs> so what I did was I went back and I watched the Bengals game because I thought that was good, a better good. better representation of, of of what we could see. And right. what was fascinating to me is how many times the Bengals played with fire and went single high. Uh, brought an extra man, and it seemed like every single time they did, they got burned uh, by by Mahomes down down deep, especially in the first half. I think it looked like they corrected themselves in the second half, but um, the first half it was like, "What are you doing? You're you're overthinking it here." <laughs> and and going back and look at some of like the the coverage splits on, and how teams have played against the the Chiefs, 
I find it fascinating that no one else even came close to running the amount of cover four th- that the Bills did throughout the yeah. enti- throughout the entire season. Like the the next closest team was Washington, who played the Chiefs the week after, and and then the Browns, who did it in week one. And no one has even come close since. And I and I wonder why wouldn't teams try to copy and mimic what the Bills do? Maybe the Bills have different personnel pieces that that others don't. I'm just really interested to see. Um, how you know, I don't expect the Bills to overthink this, but like, if they were to blitz, I think it would be an, an outright upset um, because McDermott didn't do it last time, and we saw what happened uh, to the Bengals when, when they did it. Yeah, and and my my hypothesis to to this excellent point that you're making is, um, and I and I asked both Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid this on Wednesday. Um, I just think that the the safety tandem of Jordan Poyer and Micah High is just, it is, is like when I watch film with the Bills, I'm like, oh, this is so good. This is mm-hmm. so exceptional. Um, I, I just, obviously the interception on Saturday was, was just wild. Like in the moment when I watched that play, I was like, I think Daniel Jones made the right read. It didn't matter. So like, that's. Or excuse me, Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to correct Jones. you because it's hilarious. It's I, I do that all the time. People people understand that like there's too many names. Um, yeah, for sure. But I but I but I thought wow, good play design. Wow, Mac Jones like did his job. Like wow, like mm-hmm. just completely erases the play. Yeah. And so I think part of that is there are very few teams who have a two safety tandem that can play both well in different coverages can keep everything in front of them or can obviously, you know, um, have, have great ability to sort of scramble in the moment when the ball's still in the air. And that's something that I'm, I'm really fascinated to watch because at this point, um, Patrick Mahomes has just about seen everything. And I wondered if that was like sort of the give and take of the regular season, right? Uh, the bills correctly were like, why would we ever bliss this man? This is stupid. We will get burned. It doesn't like it. Like even if you blitz and get home, he has so much escapability that that extra second, that extra half second, it just doesn't do you any good uh, most often. So I thought the Bills had the wisest game plan, but the key here is they executed it, I think, at the highest level Um, because of the turnovers, because they kept everything in front of them, because they made the Chiefs really – have to matriculate the ball down the field. Um, there weren't many explosive plays. And I thought um, you need safeties to be aware of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, um, but you can't present the exact same coverage all the time, but you also can't be blitzing or being single high. That's for just, sure. That's just dumb. So you, so I think the bills are capable of showing a single high look pre-snap and then rolling into quarters or too high or cover six to some degree. And at least it makes Patrick and his receivers have to think um, as the play's going on versus just, hey, this is what we've seen. This is what we got. Chunk play. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was last Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, they really, by about the second quarter, they were like, they do this, we we have a counter to it. Um, And that's what's made them so successful in the past, but I just, I'm fascinated with the idea of like, it sucks that Tredavious White is not playing in this game, Mm -hmm. but 
these are the best safeties the Chiefs have played all year. And uh, even though Patrick Mahomes is much more prepared for zone coverage or what teams have presented him all year that he's sort of, he's sort of gotten into a rhythm, he's starting to rely on the, you know, the running backs more. As I mentioned earlier, he's sort of spreading his targets out. So it's harder for defenses to sort of um, identify where the ball's going to go pre-snap. But these safeties are better than anything that the Bengals can present than, uh, than the Steelers can present. And one of the weird things in the AFC West is, yeah, there's a Derwin James here. Yeah, there's a Jeffrey Simmons there. But they're not on the same team. And that's the case with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the last thing I've got for you, because I've I've held you way longer than I intended to, so I'm, I'm sorry for that. Um, the last thing I have is about Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, because they haven't been as, you know, overwhelming is the word I think I would I would come to this year as as opposed to previous years. Is it a factor of how teams are playing them? Is it a factor of uh, maybe them getting a year older, losing a little bit of what they mm. used to have, um, or or is it just Mahomes kind of uh, living in this new world against his own defense and trying to disperse the ball a bit more? What do you think it is? No, it, it's 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 a little bit of all the above, and I, and I think you're I think you're right on it. Um, Travis Kelsey is older than you think, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, remind me if I'm correct, Joe, is he 32 yet? I can't, I, I uh, think, I think he is. And nothing made him look older than the, uh, the picture that yes. circulated in training camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's 32. Right. Um, it's wild. I mean, he had another thousand yard receiving season. Um, he was great. He was excellent in last week's game against the Steelers, but part of it is, you know, these guys and I and I and I want Bills fans to sort of understand where I'm where I'm going here. The playoffs are physically demanding on its own. Every every weekend you continue on this journey. It gets harder. It gets more stressful. There's more wear and tear in your body. The Chiefs have played in three straight AFC championship games. Yeah. And there's there's just residual effects of that. And so I thought Andy Reid. Eric Bieniemy, uh, the offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, the quarterback's coach. Um, I think they all made a logical decision to not lean so heavily on Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill in the middle portion of the season. Um, so I'm going to mention some names now that maybe Bill fans aren't completely aware of, but like they had to start relying on guys like Byron Pringle, who's like a fourth year receiver. Miko Hartman is one of the fastest guys in the league. He's the second fastest guy on the team. They had to start finding creative ways to get him the ball in space. And usually that's behind the line of scrimmage or on jet sweeps or on some of these bubble screens. Um, They threw the ball more. You know, I wrote about this earlier um, towards the end of the regular season, but Patrick Mahomes threw to the running backs more this year than any year in his career, just because it was required uh, teams don't want to give up the 20 to 30 yard completion. So check it down to the running back. See if he can make a tackle. If you can make a tackler miss, get some additional yards. And that happened on Sunday with the Steelers. Jarrett McKinnon is a veteran running back. He's their most experienced running back, but he was excellent about playing well in space. Hey, I check it down. And all of a sudden 
a two yard completion translates to a seven yard gain. Um, so there's a little bit of that. I also get the sense too that the way teams have played them, the Chiefs now understand that they they can't necessarily rely on the deep threat, um, which removes Tyree Kill from the equation to some degree. Mm-hmm. And so what you're seeing a lot on film, and I'm sure you know this, Joe, is Tyreek will make it appear as if I'm running a go route or if I'm running some combination corner deep post and then he stops sort of midway in the route and it becomes a comeback route. And so instead of, hey, we're trying to get a 40-yard completion, it's just that's 13 yards that keeps the chains moving. The defense has to respect the speed, so they're kind of on their heels whenever he stops. And as long as Mahomes puts the ball on him, um, he's had to become a weird sort of possession receiver in the middle of the field. Yeah. But you also but you also know he can go deep still. And that and he showed that against the Steelers as well. Um for Bills fans, I can't stress this enough, guys. When the Chiefs are in the red zone, start praying. Okay? <laughs> because Andy Reid, I assure you, has probably been developing this whole season about the game will be won probably in the red zone. Because the, the, the Chiefs, it's understandable that they're going to move the ball between the 20s. But what happens inside the red zone I think is important uh, for both teams, honestly. And what the what the Chiefs showed last week was kind of comical. But, hey, it's, it's Travis Kelsey throwing a touchdown pass to Byron Pringle just because they can. It's, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick Mahomes under you know underarming a bowling ball pass to Jarek McKinnon, who was never touched on his way to the end zone. It's Patrick Mahomes going to his fourth option. It's the backup guard named Nick Allegretti. <laughs> I I can't stress enough that the the Bills have to be so like assignment sound, but the element of surprise is also going to be there. Um, and so the Pittsburgh Steelers have T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward. Those are two All Pro. Like, pass rushers. And they negate, like, the Chiefs negated them based on creativity, based on just outwitting their opponent. So, um, all of the things you mentioned, Joe, have have sort of come to fruition. But I also think, too, the Chiefs have sort of had to win in a different way, but they've still found creative ways to, to find some advantages. And as long as Mahomes is healthy, upright, and has time, um, you got to play your best ball on defense. Man, it is all very interesting, and it's quite honestly just poetic to have these two teams meet. It up. really uh, is. It, it's like, oh. I mean, it, and if you look at the the Bills like path here, they played the Patriots, who just stomped them for two decades um, and got past them, and especially the way that they lost to them in the first round, and then to go back to the place where they ended their uh, in, against the team that ended their season last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bills still have yet to win a road playoff game under Sean McDermott, which is like a, oh, an, an wow. under-the-radar thing here. Yeah, so, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, they lost in 2017 to the Jags in the 10-3 thriller. Um, yeah. there, there was the <laughs> right the Deshaun Watson spin-out play uh, against the yeah. Texans in, in 2019 yeah. and then last year in Kansas City. Yeah, and winning on the road is hard. I mean, it, 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 just, it just is, but... Uh, I want to tell Bill fans one more time, like, it's so hard to get to four straight AFC championship games. Now, it doesn't help that you're trying to do this in a, you know, packed, 
wild Arrowhead Stadium that has a little bit of mystique because Mahomes has only lost there in the postseason to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Um, so it will be quite the accomplishment if the Bills can do this. But NFL history suggests if any team in this conference is going to take them down, it should be the Bills. I I respect the Titans. I know they're the one seed. Mm-hmm. The Titans are not as good as either one of these teams. Yeah, <laughs> in my, I totally in my agree with you there. <laughs> like, I just like I I I I I can't wait to see what Derrick Henry could provide. But uh-huh. if any team's supposed to take the Chiefs down, it's it's supposed to be Buffalo. And like I'm trying to prepare Chiefs fans for that reality because um there's ebbs and flows to this. And you know, I know some people have sort of put the comparison of like is this Pat's Colts of the last generation? And maybe that's so. Um, but eventually, you know, and this is a shorter distance, I understand, a shorter years. But at some point, Peyton Manning had to beat Tom Brady. And, like, it, mm-hmm. it's just natural. It's This is why we love sports. There's a champion. There's a contender. And they're they're meeting at the right moment, in my opinion. And whatever the outcome is, um, I won't be surprised by it. But I also understand that the history sort of suggests that like this, this might be the bills moment where the chiefs kind of did something similar in 2019, where they, they finally beat the Patriots in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got over the hump in terms of coming back from a crazy 24 point deficit to the Texans team that beat the bills. Um, and then their quarterback went to another level and they became champions. And that's that's usually how it works, children. Like if Josh <laughs> Allen goes to another level, they they might win. Man. Can't I I I can't wait to see this all unfold. Um his name is Nate Taylor. If you aren't yet, you need to be. Follow him at by Nate Taylor on Twitter. Read all his stuff about the Chiefs. He does an incredible job in case this half an hour he spent with us is not evidence in itself. So, Nate, thank you so much for taking way more time than you had. <laughs> I so appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you on Sunday. Hey, it's it's because I, uh, I, I, love, I love this silly little sport. I'm so excited about this game. And, look, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate Bills fans. Who, uh, who I can understand their excitement because I, I totally get it, guys. <laughs> so that's Nate Taylor. We'll have uh, more on this game, including my prediction, when we get back right after this. Man, those conversations with Nate are just so freaking fun. You can tell he just loves breaking down the game, loves all of the uh, the drama that comes with it because it's that's what the NFL is. It's, it's drama in a in a sport and uh, watching a game like this is going to be really really fun all right let's get to the matchup itself because uh, as we heard from Nate there's a lot of things under the surface with uh, uh with the with the Chiefs that you need to consider but also the same kind of goes along uh, the same thing goes for the the Bills in this matchup too so when looking at this matchup, on a, when, when you start off, you begin with the line and, and how it's kind of moved. Um, the over-under on the game is 53.5 points. And that is a crazy total in itself. And then the game initially opened at two and a, uh, Chiefs as 2.5 to 2-point favorites, depending on where you looked. Um, 
right now on betmgm.com, which by the way is now live in New York, uh, the Bills are marching forward. People are betting the Bills. They're only a point and a half underdogs according to where the line is right now on on Friday uh, around a little bit before 3 p.m. So it's it's very interesting where where things are kind of heading. So with the line in consideration, the way that I look at this game and how it breaks down, I think both teams have pretty um, clear advantages. And it, to me, it comes down to which advantages are the most stark. So for the Chiefs, I think they're going to have some success generating more pressure on Allen than not only that we've seen in the last four games, but certainly a lot more than we saw the first two times or the first time we saw these teams play. The biggest mismatch, I think, going into the Chiefs' advantage is Melvin Ingram working against the rookie Spencer Brown. Now, I will say Brown had his best game since his first start of the season back against Houston. He had his best game last week against the Patriots. He just looked in control, borderline dominant, um, moved well with the defender, was great as a run blocker. It it just really seemed like uh, he had everything working for him in that game and, and, you know, did not allow a single pressure throughout the game, which was a huge step for him. But he's also been really inconsistent this year. And I think the Patriots in that setting, they don't have the same type of pass rusher that the Chiefs are going to bring with Ingram. So I think that's that's kind of a, a disadvantage there for the Bills. And the other part of it is Chris Jones is is going to make an impact at some point because the Chiefs with defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, as we heard from, from Nate, b- likes to bring a lot of pressure. They do a lot of unique stuff. You know, there was one point in uh, in their matchup last week against the Steelers where they completely isolated uh, the Steelers' offensive line to where they had two free rushers going up the same gap. It was just incredible play calling. You know, the Steelers' offensive line isn't great, as we've we've known for a long time now. But still, just being able to scheme that up and, and get an offensive line in the playoffs to take the bait like that, super impressive. So there are going to be times where... Chris Jones is going to have a one-on-one opportunity against the Bills. Now, it's going to be very important for them that when they don't have to deal with an onslaught of of pressure from non-front four guys, that they work in unison to defend Jones. And that interior three of Ryan Bates at left guard, Mitch Morse at center, and Darrell Williams at right guard, I think are... uh, I think those three guys have definitely helped solidify what they're trying to do on the interior. But the key swing piece here to me is Mitch Morse. Because wherever Chris Jones lines up, I think it it would be the best strategy possible to make sure that Morse is chipping in on Jones and allowing the other guy to have a, uh, a one-on-one matchup that they should be able to win. Usually, uh, they're working against... Let me go to my notes real quick. Jaron Reed, who, you know, good player, not really a super great pass rusher. And they've got other guys like Derek Nadi, who is more of a run defender anyway. So more likely than not, 
the person that's going to beat you is Chris Jones. So you want to apply all of the attention that you can to him. And I think that that should be a good approach. But like I said before, there will be times where he gets a one-on-one matchup and I'm willing to bet he's going to get into the backfield at least one time in this game. It's just he's too impactful of a player to not. And we've seen him in big spots really shine. And and uh, even though he's kind of hit or miss on some plays, uh, there's going to be some times where, where he makes a big impact. But it's all about minimizing those moments for the Bills. And and so the Allen does a really nice job of, of sidestepping pressure, everything like that. And I think that's that's an area where uh, he's going to have to do a bit more moving around this week. But still, if he continues to play at the level he is, then I don't think it should be a humongous problem just so long as it's not an an overwhelming, you know, pressure package from both the edge and the interior. So that that is one advantage that I think the Chiefs could have in this game. The other one is I do worry about the Bills' ability to get pressure on Mahomes with their front four. Now, a big key here will be Mario Addison. And as of right now, as of recording... Addison had no injury designation uh, after a full day of practice on Friday. That I will just kind of put a, a pause on that, thinking he's completely full go, because last week we saw the same thing with F.A. Obata. And of course, Obata and Addison are on different tiers for what they, what they want from them. But Obata was a healthy scratch, or what it seemed to be a healthy scratch, but on Monday, defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier seemed to insinuate that maybe the injury that kept Obata out in Week 18 against the Jets was part of the reason that he was a healthy scratch in that game. I can't imagine that they would have wanted Boogie Basham to be rushing the passer more than than uh, F.A. Obata in that game because it, it's just Obata is the better player right now. Basham has has long-term potential, of course, but Obata is the better player right now. And um, it was interesting that he did not play last week. But Addison is a different thing here because Addison takes the second most snaps of all the defensive ends behind only Jerry Hughes most weeks, unless there's garbage time. Addison also allows Jerry Hughes to rotate from right defensive end against the left tackle to left defensive end against the right tackle. Whenever Addison is in the game, it allows Hughes to move over to the left side. And for this matchup in particular, that left side, if Hughes is over there, that is the Bills' best chance of getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes from from the edge. The the Chiefs are starting Andrew Wiley at right tackle. Uh, they they saw their usual starter, Lucas Niang, go down with a season-ending injury, or at least they put him on injured reserve. And um, that seems to be the most fruitful matchup of any across the line. But if Addison can't play his full amount of snaps, then that decreases the likelihood that Hughes is going to line up against Wiley and potentially means we're going to see more Greg Rousseau against Wiley. 
And Rousseau is just not as complete a pass rusher as Hughes is right now. And Hughes was great last week, by the way. Just had a had a an awesome game, and he's he's been really good over the the final stretch of the season here. The other part is on the interior, which is one of my most fascinating matchups to watch all game because it's like strength versus strength. The Bills' defensive tackles in, in Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver have been awesome since Phillips entered the starting lineup and they've been playing together. But the Chiefs' interior line is really stinking good. They've got uh, Joe Tooney at left guard. They've got Creed Humphrey at center. And then Trey Smith is their weak link, finger quotes, of the three. But he's still pretty good. Um, I think the Bills might have trouble generating the, the same pressure from the interior as they have in previous games because of how good those three play together. But if the Bills can somehow find a way to isolate a matchup between either Phillips or Oliver against Trey Smith, I think that's their best way to generate some pressure. But I do worry about their ability to get get home in this game because we know the way that the Bills played it last time, they were in zone coverage most of the time, only rushing their front four and making Mahomes keep everything underneath and the quicker the bills front four can get to Mahomes, the more likely it is that they win the down and that's just going to be what it is it's a series of winning the downs on the bills side of things i think they have advantages in uh, a couple of different areas first is with how the bills back seven plays together you know they they don't have Tredavious white this time around and that is unfortunate for them. And there's been a lot of attention on Dane Jackson this week. But against this opponent, I'm not sure he's the critical piece here. You know, the, the Chiefs are definitely going to try and bait him out of position. But I don't think the Bills are going to leave him in man-to-man coverage against guys like Tyreek Hill very often, if at all. I think this is going to be a total team effort from those seven guys in in the defensive backfield. And even though they're without Tredavious White this time around, they do add Matt Milano back into the mix, who did not play in that game. And Milano uh, seems to be a pretty perfect fit to defend Kelsey or this version of Kelsey because he's still good, but not the same explosive dude that he has been in the past. And as we pointed out with with uh, Nate, he's 32 years old now, so he's he's getting up there in age. So I think that's a strength for them. And Tremaine Edmonds, to me, is, is a huge key in this game. He was so good that last game against the Chiefs in when Mahomes was trying to improvise to go and hunt down the uh, the nearby crossing receiver to take away that outlet and to make it that much harder on Mahomes to do something with the ball. Because the the normal the normal response when you see a quarterback getting outside of the containment of the pocket for a defender is usually to go get that guy to avoid from him getting some rushing yards. But for the Bills, it's like, okay, You'll take the rushing yards, even though it's not ideal, but it's far better than the alternative of you getting out of position, Mahomes breaking your heart by throwing over the top of you, and then getting however many more yards on top of it with a more explosive player like 
Tyreek Hill, Mecole Hardman, Byron Pringle, um, Demarcus Robinson, like all of these different guys. You have to you have to take the best of the situation. And with Edmonds taking away that from Mahomes Arsenal in the uh, in the first matchup, it was such a big thing for their defense. And I would expect them to defend in the same way a lot. That is one advantage I think the Bills have in this game. The other one is something that we talked about at the beginning of the show. The wide receivers and how they deploy them is so different as compared to how any other team does it right now. And I think it gives them a legitimate edge over just about anyone as long as those five guys are healthy. Because not only do all the members of the secondary have to have to you know worry about each individual guy and maybe having a different assignment and different focus on from snap to snap like Allen's going to have those opportunities to to hit a lot of these guys but because there's so much attention on those guys then you kind of have someone like Dawson Knox slipping through the cracks the most fascinating thing from a Chiefs defensive perspective that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing is where they utilize Tyron Matthew the most. Because they've got to kind of pick their spots here. Either he's going to help out um, Stefan Diggs. Maybe they have him cover up Dawson Knox in zone coverage. Maybe they have him cover up Cole Beasley in zone coverage. But whatever they do, it's going to leave someone that they really like without Matthew anywhere near them. Whether it be Diggs. Gabriel Davis, Knox, Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, even Emmanuel Sanders, who burned them for, I think, a 53-yard touchdown last game. The Chiefs are going to try to get pressure on the Bills to make them make a mistake. But the Bills have thrived against the Blitz lately. And it's if the Chiefs wind up playing a lot of man coverage like they did last time, they might be playing with fire because the Bills are really good and have the uh, have the receivers to to take take out that type of mentality and the quarterback that has just looked so poised in the pocket and been able to maneuver. The Chiefs are going to need like a full pass rush, I think, to slow down what the Bills are trying to do. So this game, to me, now that we've gone over advantages and disadvantages for each. This game to me just screams that it's going to be super close and with whichever defense can help put up enough of a neutralization effort on the other, I think is going to be the one that comes out on top. So that leads me to the pick. And I think both defenses will have some degree of success, but this game is going to be all about offense. Like the Chiefs are going to get theirs on offense, and I think it would be foolish to expect anything other than that. The Bills are going to do the same, even against a much different Chiefs defense. Because it would be silly to expect anything differently based on what we've seen over the past month to month and a half of the season. And the way that the Bills are playing right now, and how their advantages advantages kind of stack up against the Chiefs. I'm picking the Bills in this one. There's there's just something 
kind of rare about this way this whole thing is kind of coming together for them. The health, the the way that their offense is really just firing right now, their defense playing as well as they are, um, the way that a lot of their young guys are rounding into the best forms of themselves this late in the season. And then when you take the X's and O's film side side of things out of the equation, you look at the human element too. And I kind of said this last week before the Patriots game. The Bills seemed loose last week. Same story this week. And usually with with these guys ahead of these big games, when they're loose, you can usually expect some pretty good success. Even if it's not a victory, you can usually expect something other than just an outright clunker. I am not expecting that of this team. They're loose and they also feel disrespected, which is a, a powerful combination for, for this team, more so than uh, any other Bills team, you know, under Sean McDermott, it's, it's been their shtick. And once they find that, that little morsel of disrespect, they just cling to it. We've talked about it for months, for years. You've probably grown tired of hearing me say it, but it is a real thing for this team. They thrive on it. It's what they do. And they've somehow convinced themselves that everyone is against them, even though I would say probably more than 50% of people are, are picking them to win this game. Maybe not maybe not over 50, but right near the 50-50 mark. Heck, even Vegas is kind of picking them to win by making them only a point and a half underdogs, or when the line came out, two-point underdogs. So this game is going to be pretty special. So I've got the Bills in this one. I've got them winning 31-26, to which means... They obviously cover because they win. And I have this game hitting the over because this game's going to be fun. Two great quarterbacks, two great teams going toe-to-toe with one another. All right. That'll do it for this episode. The next time you hear from me, we will find out whether or not the Bills are able to erase the loss from last year and move on in their quest to bring their first ever Super Bowl trophy to Buffalo. It is going to be outstanding to watch this game. I cannot stress that enough. So the next time you'll hear from me, I will be with Matt Beauvais, who is the sports director at Channel 7, WKBW in Buffalo, and we will go over exactly what happened in that Bills-Chiefs game, what it means moving forward, and whether or not we're talking about what could have been or what could be. Should be very, very fun, by the way. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. My name is Joe Biscaglia, and we will talk to you after the game on Sunday. See you then.